Welcome to Sport Faith Life with Brian Bolt and Chad Carlson, two guys who came together with one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. They are sports scholars, they're coaches, and they're competitive athletes, or at least they were. And together, they've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. Welcome to Sport Faith Life. I'm Brian Bolt, and I'm here again with my co-host, Chad Carlson. And we are excited to continue our series on the fruits of the Spirit and the seven deadly sins as they relate to sport. We've done a number of fruits of the Spirit. We've done love. We've done peace. We've done uh, goodness. And uh, what was the other one, Chad? Kindness. 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 Goodness and kindness. Um, And so those have been fun for us to dig into. We've also uh, looked a little bit at uh, some different deadly sins like gluttony, uh, which was interesting, and anger, which was uh, also fun. And what we're attempting to do in this series is identify something about the either the fruit or the deadly sin that links or connects to the culture of sport. And we wonder out loud whether or not the culture of sport uh, promotes these sorts of fruits uh, or even promotes these vices, these uh, deadly sins. And, and we also wonder, are there things we can do to the culture of sport to improve it, to uh, take it to another level in terms of how it may help in terms of faith formation for a Christian athlete, for a Christian coach, anyone connected to sport. And so we've had a great time doing that. Today, it's uh, our turn to do a deadly sin. And I don't know if this says something about me, but the deadly sins are, are in some ways a little more fun just to think about. Uh, that's <laughs> terrible for me to even say that out loud, but it's kind of fun to think about the deadly sins. Maybe that's my guilty pleasure. Uh, so I will think about those this particular deadly sin in relation to sport. And on deck today, or set, set up today, is the deadly sin of sloth. And sloth evokes a re- an image right away, right? There's an animal named a sloth, and it's uh, visible in, I mean, we see it hanging from trees. We uh, see caricatures of the sloth all the time, and they're, they're often amusing, right? We often think about the sloth, and it, it just becomes something kind of funny when we think about it. The other thing that, that occurs to me just right out of the gate, just thinking about this, is that we live in a pretty fast-paced world, and to think of sloth as a deadly sin almost seems counterintuitive, right? The idea that we need to slow down is promoted all the time. You know, we look at our, our Western culture uh, where we are uh, at Hope and Calvin, and people often say, look, you're, you're striving, you're too busy. Shouldn't we aspire more to sloth? And so that is just an interesting thing for us to, to play with as we think about sloth and sport. I think there uh, are some also, also some immediate uh, examples that we might go to when we think of sloth. We, we think of that lazy teammate, uh, probably. That person that maybe had a lot of talent and didn't apply himself or herself 
And we would equate that to laziness and uh, potentially then unfulfilled potential. So I think when I think about sloth, I'd like to go to a number, another couple of levels, but I would kind of start right there when, uh, when I give you that example, Chad, about the laziness aspect of sloth. And tell me if, if that resonates with you in any way. Well, I'm reminded, first of all, of when we decided that this was going to be the deadly sin we were going to talk about today, your response was sloth, huh? I could really use some sloth in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's a, it's a busy a busy time for you. And that, I think that was, that was what spurred it, which is just a funny sort of, uh, I don't know, colloquial response to, to this particular topic. But yeah, right. So we, we think about sloth as um, like um, actually something that would be desirable. Mm-hmm. That it would be a, a break or rest or relaxation. Of course, that's you know maybe the life of a sloth. You know, so that ugly, ugly creature. And if if we haven't like personified or giving animal characteristics to every deadly sin, I suppose there's a there's a couple, right? Maybe a pride of lions. We'll get to that one. But if we're thinking about sloth, the animal, yeah, that's 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 the basic level, right? Where we would be talking about this and sort of a, a life of I don't know if it would be ease or luxury, but but certainly of um, of, of deliberateness, of, of slowness, and there's something that's relatively appealing about that. And I don't think that's exactly what is meant by the deadly sin of sloth. And your response, Brian, I think, well, my response back to you when you said I could use some sloth in my life was, well, absolutely, we're, we're Calvinists. Mm. <laughs> and, and there's something about the Puritan work ethic that is just embedded within Western culture, specifically at both of our schools, where industriousness is really... Um, you know, a sign of of one working towards earning God's favor, and so to to um, to take time away to rest uh, seems seems to counteract what we should be striving for as as Christians. And so sloth there seems seems to resonate a little bit, um, but with more self help stuff, with a little bit more wisdom and the evolution of of, of theological thinking related to Calvinism and other sort of streams of, of Christian theology, I would say, you know, we, we understand ourselves better and uh, we understand what's needed more than anything in a fast-paced world where we're constantly um, distracted, where we're constantly bombarded with thoughts and ideas. Uh, it seems that um, a life of rest, or at least moments of, of rest, are, are very pleasing. And so how do we how do we separate those two ideas, I guess, is, is a big question for me between taking rest, appropriate rest, Sabbath or otherwise, and uh, not falling prey to the trappings of sloth. Yeah, and I think you framed, too, right away, this idea that we're going against something. We're, we're trying to avoid something, and there are phrases like uh, idleness is the devil's workshop, the mm-hmm. idea that industriousness, diligence, uh, activity seem to be virtuous, seem to be things that move us forward and move uh, not just us personally, but the community forward. And so there's this thought that we need to be industrious and active and uh, working at things. Six days you shall labor. And we uh, denigrate the rest, at least in this context, when we say, you know, 
I grew up in a Christian home, and every once in a while, my dad would open the Bible, and he always seemed to pull open to Proverbs, and uh, disproportionately, I thought, because he had a message, and it was usually something <laughs> for us, right, as kids. Uh, I think it's Proverbs, go to the ant, thou sluggard, right? The idea that if you are idle, if you are lazy, then ultimately the comparison is the industrious ant, the the worker. And there's some nobility in work, there's some virtue in work, and you need to keep striving, keep moving forward. So I'm not sure if we're appropriately connecting the rest uh, that is displayed in the creation story. Uh, God worked for six days in creating the world we live in, and creating humanity, and then rested, and then surprisingly started the week with rest, which is very much an intentional message to humanity that the striving is actually unhelpful, that we need to rest in God's grace and to trust and trust God's story. And so I think there must be some disconnect between rest, good rest, appropriate rest, even mandated rest in Sabbath and feasts and festivals and Jubilee, all this uh, sort of all these uh, elements leaning toward this idea of rest and the idea of sloth. There must be something more uh distant from rest that is sloth and so when i think about what that is i think of the word apathy the idea that um, there's this there there's something to care about and either myself or somebody else doesn't doesn't care and we're called to care we're called to engage we're called to uh, love and Sloth seems to be missing this opportunity to care, to love. And I could see that working out in a number of ways in a sporting context. How about you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think it's, a, you know, I understand in a similar way, the sort of uh, a relegation of, of what should be our you know, sort of God-ordained priorities, right? There's a, a bit of a neglect there. So uh, apathy, a sadness towards that, sort of a, a boredom, a, a lack of realization of of what's important and, and what should be the priority at any poten- potential given moment. You know, the funny thing is that uh, sloth, instantiated as the way we've described it, uh, you know, so far throughout this this episode, is just not not terribly evident in sport, is it? I mean, we think of uh, you know if you're gonna if you're gonna make the team, if you're gonna be any good at sport. Well, it'd be really hard to do that as a sloth. In fact, the opposite is what you would really need, diligence, as you said. Um, I'm just thinking of sort of the, the children's book character, Sammy Sloth, who is this uh, you know fairly well-known character that, <laughs> that doesn't make the team uh, because he's slow and he's not you know, terribly athletic or whatever else. And that's, you know, that's the instantiation of sloth. There's, there's really no room for sloth in, in elite athletics because you just... It's a it's a meritocracy at least in some sense and so if, if you're slothy you're just you're not going to make it so it, 
but I, but I think we're, we're missing maybe the broader understanding of sloth, if that's all we're thinking about, because I do think that there's, um, if we're thinking about sloth as some sort of combination of boredom and, and sort of, um, uh, laziness, reluctance towards um, one's duties, and really a sadness that comes along with that as well, or at least a sort of a, a more sullen Eeyore type of, of demeanor. Um, I think that that can certainly be evident. And you gave one you know, specific example, Brian, when you opened up this episode by by saying we've thought of you know that that teammate that just doesn't carry the load. I think that's a part of it. Maybe not doing one what one's uh, carrying out one's role could be seen as sort of a within a sloth um, scope of things, and also that that somewhat, at least to me, somewhat irresistible athlete that has all kinds of talent and ability and just decides not to use it or doesn't have the motivation to use it. There's something that's always been sort of compelling to me about that figure because that was never me. I felt like I had to work twice as hard as everybody else to make up for for lesser talent. And so there's something that like, uh, was, yeah, yeah, there's something that was compelling about that, that figure that, man, that, that person can, you know, live by their own rules that they can decide whether they want to use this unbelievable talent or not. Here I am, you know, in a proletarian mindset, doing all I can to maximize whatever I have. And then other people just have been given so much more. And I sort of envied that, I suppose. And maybe there's, maybe there's a little bit of sloth there as well, not using one's talents and, and, and abilities in, in particularly appropriate ways. Yeah, and I think we, we may be leaking over into Envy a little here when we yeah. start thinking about that. And that'll be great to, to discuss when we uh, get to Envy as a deadly sin. It'll be interesting to see if there are connections or comparisons. I think what you are getting at here, too, is, is the question of, is this... We think quickly about sloth as recognizable physically, mm. energy, effort. Uh, what can we see in the person? What looks like effort, right? Um, and as coaches, observers of human movement, we're pretty good at it. We're pretty good at seeing effort. We're pretty good at seeing a lack of effort. And so it's a physical exertion sometimes, particularly in sport, that we're unhappy with. But my guess here is that sloth, particularly as a deadly sin, is more spiritual. It is less about our physical exertion and more about, if not apathy, maybe avoidance. Maybe avoidance of something that needs to be done. Maybe uh, avoidance of something that's really hard. And I can imagine... Uh, we do it all in, in in all parts of our lives, but certainly in sport, where we avoid the hard thing. We avoid reconciling with a teammate when we've said something harsh or they've said something harsh, and we know we need to, but we just avoid it. There's hard work to be done. And a lot of that hard work is about the community that we're in, uh, the community of sport sometimes. And in, in that case, sloth can be simply avoiding or maybe even withdrawing for preservation of self, uh, maybe it is a spiritual laziness and that's a way to describe it. And if we think about sloth that way, the number of examples just explodes because we, we're really good at that in our humanity, avoiding what's uh, needed 
uh, for sort of either our short-term gain or maybe it's, maybe it's not gain. Maybe it is not wanting to, to experience the loss that comes with addressing something that's really hard. I, what do you think of that? Yeah, I, I think I see a common uh, a connection here between sort of that spiritual piece that you're talking about and and sport. Thinking about sloth as maybe a lack of discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know uh, uh, of a coach, a really well-respected coach in in our area here, who often said, "You know, I have my best teams when they come into camp, to preseason camp, fit already. You know, um, that they've been it shows that they've been working hard." Um, sort of carrying their weight, thinking uh, on behalf of the team, putting themselves and you know their bodies in the, the best shape possible at the beginning of the season, so we can hit the ground running, related to you know tactics, strategies, and all of that, as opposed to having to increase uh, our fitness uh, to begin. That takes time away from other things that could be done. So the you know players, it, the years that they weren't as good, players were less disciplined in the off season to to prepare their bodies. And I think there's something about that too with spiritual disciplines that we're showing sloth when we're shirking our responsibilities to to be doing what we should be doing. Um, you know, thinking about prayer, thinking about uh, reading scripture, thinking about attending worship services, um, some of those things that 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 should be part of the habits of the Christian life. And it would be sloth if we are not doing those things, in my mind, if we're not disciplined to do those things. I think it would also um, be within the realm of sloth if we are not doing some of those things because of how much we're doing other things, because of the, let's say, uh, a job requires seven days a week of of labor, and there's no time for um, the spiritual disciplines. I would I would imagine that that would fall within the realm of, of sloth as well, because we're shirking our responsibilities and there's we're showing a lack of discipline and commitment to those things that uh, that should be important in life. Yeah, it seems very opposite that sloth could actually be busyness, but I think yeah. it's true, right? Mm-hmm. I think that it is very possible for you to avoid or withdraw or have apathy toward something, and to fill that space with unnecessary busyness uh, or necessary business either way uh, and the to describe it as sloth is, is simply to describe it as something that has taken the place of uh, mm-hmm. the work that you need to do and that uh, I think is is an appropriate application of sloth I've heard that as well I, I don't know if this is an, uh, an appropriate story but the the Mary and Martha story in the New mm-hmm. Testament, where uh, one is rushing around. Uh, Martha is getting things done, uh, achieving all the things that need to be done, really thinking ahead, and gets uh, what seems to be uh, uncomfortably chastised by Jesus. Uh, Mary's got it figured out, and you need to learn. So I think it's very easy, particularly for uh, people like you and me that are living in a culture that celebrates busyness. Uh, I think it's easy for us to fall into a trap where uh, we're seeking praise for busyness and potentially uh, letting things go that need our attention. And those might be things related to our own personal spiritual discipline, or those could be things that are related to the community that we, that we live in, uh, sometimes sport. There's probably something about the 
the personification of, of sloth through an animal, right? That, that I think um, misrepresents the actual sort of uh, uh, deadly sin of sloth. So the way that you've described it there adds some elements that are, are less sort of animal sloth-like than, than what we, we naturally think about. So just th- you know, to think about sloth as just what that animal is, is, is probably just one aspect of what it might be. And there's something else about falling onto, to use a, another animal analogy, like the, the hamster wheel, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, would also be within the realm of sloth. Um, you know, being un, unable to get out of a, a, a sort of a vicious cycle that, that doesn't lead to anything uh, productive, I suppose. I'm not sure that's the right word to be using. I'm also thinking of like, you know, um, beavers or, or ants who are seen as being very industrious and, and, and worker-like. I guess maybe there's a reason why I intuitively don't like the uh, sort of Aesop's uh, ant as worker. And you shared the biblical passage earlier about that as well. There's there's something about, um, something sinful about falling prey to only being industrious, only being known as being industrious and, and not paying heed to to the spiritual disciplines that would include rest uh sabbath and otherwise so i could think of too now trying to find a handful of uh, sporting context examples Uh, one of the things that i have uh experienced over and over again either in on my own team that i'm coaching or something i observe even with recruits it's recruiting season for me right now and often there's a very uh, distinct difference in our in my sport between um, the really talented, dedicated player and other players on the team. So in high school golf, it's not that surprising to have one or maybe two really uh, dedicated golfers. They really want to improve. They really want to get better. They're, it shows. They get good scores. Uh, but their teams lose over and over again and because you need four scores to be able to uh, post a team score and two good ones and two really bad ones means that your team's not going to be very good. And this happens over and over again, depending on where you're from uh, and just sort of the culture at your, at your school. So this is team golf as opposed to individual golf, which happens more in like summer tournaments. And, it's very tempting for those guys, and I tend to get to know them because I'm recruiting those top players. I'm pl- recruiting that one or two. It's very tempting for them to withdraw from their team and to play for themselves. Typically in golf, you can qualify, say, for a state tournament as a team, but you can also qualify in that sport as an individual. Basketball is not like that. If your team doesn't throw in the winning basket, the best player goes home with the losing team. In golf, there's this opportunity to slide through as an individual, make it to a state final just by yourself, which is a kind of interesting additional aspect to golf. And I'm often encouraging them not to withdraw from their team. I think of how I want them to behave and act on my team and how I want them to uh, pour into the community so that it elevates the play of other players on the team. And that takes a lot. It takes in a different intention in golf because you, you don't play. It's not interactive. Your, your comp- competition is not interactive. It's only uh, alongside, right? You're competing alongside your teammates at best. Often you're, you don't even see them. And so I can imagine 
this happening in a team sport context a little bit different than golf where players tend to separate and I've had it where some of my more dedicated players will do that uh, players on my team and I will have to call them back and I'd say look uh, yes they don't have the same motivation as you right now but the goal is for them to get there and we're going to need you to help us get there and so I can imagine that happening in just about every context and it's an example of wanting to avoid, wanting to withdraw, maybe being apathetic toward other humans. And so that is a, a an example of, I think, spiritual sloth that we might recognize and even work against in a sporting context. Yeah, the slothy teammate, right? That's, a, that's an interesting vignette here for us to explore and it seems that pro that's probably again not not a sort of a mainstream idea about what sloth is but you might have a very driven talented hard-working athlete uh, who might who may not value the community or of the team as much as as one uh, specifically a, a coach would like i'm wondering i certainly we could sort of psychoanalyze why that is right the 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 one or two feel like they're like they're they can separate themselves because they're superior because they're they're better. The others might not pour as much time into it because they see their own physical limitations because they don't really want to put themselves out there and show that they're really getting after you know really really working hard because uh, that might not reap the rewards that they're hoping for. So there may be a number of reasons for that, but I think nevertheless, what you're describing is a culture where um, golf is is a team sport and so it would be important for uh, each athlete to to make sure that they're disciplined enough to be able to to, to fulfill each role that's required of uh, being a part of a team and so it's certainly physically scoring as, as well as you can um, but also you know whatever comes along that's sort of tangential to that or or um, uh, or important otherwise I'm thinking about the, the maybe the more effective um, aspects of, of uh, golf as a team sport. So when we think about sloth as it relates to sport in general, we can just to sum up where we've been, we can imagine that there is the immediate application of the lazy athlete that either doesn't realize potential or detracts from the culture through lack of hard work, detracts from performance, certainly from lack of hard work, diligence, paying attention to certain things. But we can also imagine the, the actually the opposite end of that spectrum where a highly diligent athlete also withdraws or moves away from the team in such a way that it detracts from the performance, detracts from the culture. And on both those fronts, uh, we would want to work people in the direction of understanding what uh, is required uh, what is expected, but also what is invited, what we're inviting them into when we think about uh, avoiding deadly sins and moving towards spiritual disciplines. And I guess I'm wondering if I could ask you, I'll put you on the spot here, what is what is the counter to sloth? What do you think is the virtue that is most applicable when we think about how to get someone from sloth, how to avoid sloth. It, and that's not just looking outward, that's looking inward at ourselves. What is the virtue that helps us um, provide an antidote, an antidote to sloth? 
Well, I think the, you know, the, the one that probably comes to most people's mind right away is, is diligence. And I, but I, again, I think that only captures kind of one aspect of, of, of sloth as a sin. I, I think maybe a, a better term is, um, or, or a, a more robust way of looking at this would be to, to answer your question by saying conscientiousness of, of all that I am created by God to be, of all that I am responsible for when I step into particular roles in my life. So as a teammate, it's not just uh, scoring well, whatever that may mean in the particular sport, but it would also mean being a good teammate and caring about um, the performance of my teammates as well. And that could be, you know, there could be analogies there in, in business and, and being a student and being simply a friend. So I think, I think a, a, the way to counteract sloth is to is to uh, um, be conscientious of and appreciate the variety of of roles and responsibilities that that one has. I think there's there definitely something there, and I think when we that is the sort of immediate place and what we might want to see in their behaviors. But I also go back to just this idea of care and maybe even the, just using the larger word of love, like the responsibilities of love, loving one another, loving the community that we're, we're in. I even talk about loving your sport, um, loving it in such a way that you are willing to do the hard things. Love often requires something that isn't easy. It often requires something that's difficult and to be able to come back to this idea that uh, to get outside of ourselves, to love the community means we have to do the hard thing to move it forward. Sometimes it's for ourselves and sometimes it's, it's confronting somebody else, which is also a really hard thing to do. Uh, certainly in sport, we talk about that all the time, about holding our teammates accountable. And I think it's overplayed sometimes because we say it, but we don't really know how to do it and we don't enable or equip people to do it well. And uh, I think all of society has a hard time with accountability. Uh, it's a very kind of tricky place to be, particularly um, when you start worrying about the, the double standards and hypocrisy and all those sorts of possibilities when people uh, start holding others accountable. But I do think that there is uh, opportunity here for us to recognize sloth in and ourselves and also to uh, set a culture or climate, we talk about the fruits, we talk about cultivating soil, a climate that values diligence and values conscientiousness, but also recognizes them as potential pitfalls, understands how they might uh, also lead to sloth or also lead to withdrawal, apathy, uh, those sorts of things that, that we're trying to avoid in sport. So love, love is your answer. And I, I, I tell you, I, I think it's a great answer. And I would say that if you gave that answer, if I asked that question in one of my classes and you gave that answer, I would probably give you a hard time because it's like saying Jesus. Yes. Anytime course. there's a, there's a question about <laughs> anything having to do with Christianity at all, at all, or within a culture of Christianity, if you, if you just say the answer is Jesus, you know, you're, you're safe. You know, that that's probably a good answer. And love would be the same thing, right? If Jesus is love. God is love. Um, so. When it came out of my mouth, I knew that you would ridicule me for it, but I was willing <laughs> to do that out of love. So how clearly, courageous! Yes, yes. Yep. how courageous! And, Absolutely, yep. yeah, yeah. Well, 
Chad, this has been uh, fun, challenging for sure. Sloth is challenging. You would think it's really obvious to find it, but like you said, it's it shows up in different ways in sport. And uh, if we've interpreted at least parts of it correctly, I think that we've expanded uh, how people might think about sloth as it relates to the community of sport and our own individual striving when we spend a lot of time and energy at, uh, at the sports we, we do. I do think that when we uh, break this down, we're going to end up overlapping more and more. The more we, we get into these deadly sins and the fruits of the spirit, we find connections or links to others. And it, it does go to just exposing uh, certain aspects of what it means to be human, the need for grace, um, the need for forgiveness, and the opportunity in sport to practice things that uh, help us form ourselves into people more like Jesus Christ. And that is, that's one of the things we really value about sport. Those are, that's one of the things that we study about it. And, and one of the things that, that, you know, you and I have been around it long enough, understand how it's kind of misplayed in lots of different ways. And so this has been great. Do you have a, a final comment about sloth? I will leave that to you. That's very sloppy. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pure sloth right there. Thanks for joining us on Sport Faith Life, and until next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Sport Faith Life podcast, a conversation at the intersection of sport and faith. Read the corresponding blog post and learn more about us at sportfaithlife.com. Listen to more of our podcasts on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with everything sport, faith, life.